and sometimes sometimes it's harder you know because again you, you hear a bunch of different things or you know well, I, 4 is coming out well, what does it mean well i can tell you what it means to us but what is you know what is what does the institution say it should you know it should mean or you know and, and so i think these are ways to do that Hi, I'm Chris, and welcome to this week's episode of To Be Published, a podcast that provides organizational leaders with the tools to integrate and synchronize sustainment and generate combat power. As always, the views and opinions expressed on this show do not reflect the official policy or position of the United States Army, the Training and Doctrine Command, or the Command and General Staff College. President and General Dwight D. Eisenhower once said that in preparing for battle, I've always found that plans are useless, but planning is indispensable. The sustainment warfighting function is integrally linked to operations and essential to maintaining combat power, enabling operational reach, and generating freedom of action. Also providing Army forces with the endurance to fight and win across the breadth and depth of the battlefield. And yet, Commanders and planners often fail to integrate the sustainment warfighting function into the MDMP process. Today, we'll be talking about the role of sustainment within the planning process. We'll examine it using knowledge management framework, people, process, tools, and organizations. FM50 tells us that the military decision-making process is an iterative planning methodology to understand the situation and mission, develop a course of action, and produce an operational plan of order. MDMP tells us and helps leaders apply thoroughness, clarity, sound judgment, logic, and professional knowledge to understand situations, develop options to solve problems, and reach decisions. MDMP requires both critical and creative thinking to solve challenging problems. Today, to help us unpack this complex discussion, is Lieutenant Colonel Joe Parker. Joe is currently an executive fellow at MIT's Supply Chain Management Program. And previously, he served as the senior sustainment trainer, Goldminer 07, at the National Training Center and the squadron commander of the 11th ACR Regimental Support Squadron. Joe, welcome to the show. Happy Can you to tell be us here. a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, hey, so uh, career logistician, uh, Army brat, uh, Wake Forest fan, go Deeks, playing in the ACC championship game this weekend. A uh, lot of time at the at the tactical level, so spent a lot of time in first cav and third ID. A um, little bit of joint time uh, at SOCOM, uh, had a little bit of time in the Army G4, um, and then uh, the three years out at the National Training Center. Uh, and, and I'll tell you uh, what an experience, you know, paid, you know, paid plug here for the NTC. Um, I got it. Uh, everybody kind of gets, you know, gets the weird... You know, it's, it's, it's out in the middle of nowhere, uh, but I would tell you personally and professionally, uh, probably the best assignment I'd had, not, not just because of command, but because of the opportunity to learn the sets and reps you get, and really the opportunity to, to take a lot of what I think we're going to talk about today, see it in action, sometimes well, sometimes not so well, but always with an opportunity to get better and, and retrain. So, you know, great opportunity there. So that, that, that's kind of me. And yeah, I'm up here for the year hanging out in Boston. So <laughs> in Boston, and a great place to be. Not bad. Uh, probably getting a little chilly this time of year, but uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Again, Six, uh, 60, 60 degrees yesterday, but it's, it's a little schizophrenic up here right now. So well, we'll that's see. Not bad. We'll see. <laughs> but the, thanks again for being here. Um, so we briefly discussed MB, MDMP uh, and many of our listeners are generally familiar with the seven steps. Right, receive the mission, mission analysis, course of action development, course of action analysis, COA comparison, COA approval, and then the orders production process. Right. Can you give us any insights from your time at the National Training Center as to where units struggle with MDMP, particularly from the sustainment aspect, uh, and what they can do about it? So I, in this broad generalization, you know, I'm sure I'll get hate mail for this, but look, sustainers are not very good at MDMP. I mean, flat out, we, we, are, we are not very good. We, 
we fall back on the concept of support as our bread and butter. And in my experience, there's a multitude of reasons for that. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll preface that with, hey, at LTP, at your leaders training you know, program, you know, at the, at the 180 briefs, yeah, we all, we all can kind of figure out how to do you know, your standard five paragraph op order based off a plan. And then during RSO and I at the National Training Center, yeah, you come there kind of with a plan, but then reality gets thrown at you. So you've got to get your equipment, you've got to get your personnel. We've got expeditionary RSO and I out there now. So you're not sitting in a tent, you're, you know, you're literally sitting out in the desert trying to get your, you know, get all your systems put together and, and you know, get things running a lot sooner than you did in previous times. Personally, I, I see it as a benefit because it gets your head in the game a lot quicker. But if you're not prepared and you haven't had those sets and reps back at home station and you're not you're not proficient as a planning team and as a staff, you can fall by the wayside very quickly. And I, I think, you know, we were not always the best at surviving that that first shock, that first blast in, of reality. And so, you know, where we plug in, you know, so quite often, you know, we, we'd have the magic, you know, headset on and we could hear what's going on between the other other teams. And it's, you know, hey, the brigade, they're issuing an order right now. And you would sit there and you'd look at the look around the BSA and hey, who's 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 going to brigade to, to get this order? Oh, we didn't get a call. Okay. Well, you might want to go, you know, st- so, you know, it, we, we default back to that concept of support as our bread and butter. And, you know, I'm not tracking that the concept support is actually in MDMP, right? It's a byproduct that we produce uh, based off the concept of the operation and, and all that stuff. So, you know, we have got to do a better job, one of really kind of understanding how to do MDMP ourselves and then our role in the entire process. And I would argue that it's not just paragraph four and the annex, right? You know, that, that's, our, that's kind of the default. So at CGSC or at the career course or, you know, any, you know, hey, you know, you get tagged to be the S4, you're working on that, you know, that paragraph four, you're working on, you know, that annex. But if you don't help shape paragraph three, all right, if you don't help shape everything else and you're not in there with good running estimates and, and you know, feasible concepts, feasible uh, options for the commander, that process is going to move without you. And then you are then going to have to figure out the response on the back end. And it's, a, you know, ounce prevention, pound of cure. Yeah, so I guess it's the other way around. Pound of cure, ounce prevention. I don't know. Whatever that, whatever that phrase is, right? <laughs> Get involved early so you're not having to play catch up down the line. Because what, what I guess, additionally, what I've seen is we start off with okay products, generally pretty decent products at the front. Uh, and then as the rotation or as the operation moves on, we get so consumed by what's going on, we don't have a chance to go back and revisit and adjust the concept support. And then everything kind of devolves into, you know, seven insurgent organizations across the BCT trying to figure out how to do their own things. Everything becomes an emergency resupply. We don't have an effective pace plan. So even if we did come up with something uh, or adjust our plan, we don't have the means to disseminate it and share that information across the battle space effectively, you know, and you can go into the role of the Brigade 4 and the XO and the SPO and all that. And so there's, there's a lot, it, it sounds bad, like we're not, we're not horrible. We're just not where we need to be. And a lot of that, it sets and reps and how we prepare. And then from a sustainment perspective, it's, it's literally just, we've got to do MDMP for everything. Like we've got to get those reps, whether you're doing a Christmas ball or you're doing a run or you're doing, you know, getting the staff, those reps uh, and, and the commanders getting involved. You know, it, you know, you, you said it's, you know, it's an iterative process. It's only iterative if the commander is involved. Otherwise, it's just the process. The commander helps make that iterative by giving them those touch points, being involved early on, whether it's, you know, to the left of MDMP and, you know, that, 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 that four-letter word design, you know, get, trying to help frame problems and, you know, well, help you us know solve me, the design is one of my yeah, favorites, right? right? So. Well, I, I, and I just, I spent two hours yesterday with a professor at MIT, you know, kind of outlining, you know, you know, current state, desired state, environmental frame, that type of stuff. And it's, you know, it's stuff that's used uh, and it, you know, it'll save you time. Now, I wouldn't necessarily do it on training day two, unless you've got a brand new, you know, brand new wicked problem sitting in front of you. But, right. but again, like all the tools in the toolkit, we've got to be proficient at it. And so, you know, how do we do that? You know, I don't necessarily have a, you know, there's no silver bullet answer on that. But I will tell you, you know, repetition is you, you can tell units that have done it before and units that are kind of pulling it out of the fourth point of contact. So I think repetition, uh, and you brought this up a couple of times in speaking of tools. Um, you mentioned the running estimate, 
And yep. how do we keep constant, right? So after first contact, after day two in the box, uh, running estimates, I think, are so critical to maintaining not only uh, sort of a common operating picture, but integrating into uh, that planning process. And whether it's MDMP or the rapid decision-making process, uh, can you talk a little bit more about either running estimates or maybe some other tools that we can use to ensure sustainment synchronous? So I'm a full believer in the running estimate. Um, 100%, right? You know, if they might take away my Sam's card for this, but really the only two things that you have to do, uh, I think to, for planning is you got to do your mission analysis and whatever you come up with, you got to do a war game, right? Like those are the two, if you fudge everything else, please, please, please do mission analysis because you're going to produce your running estimates. Uh, and then acknowledge the fact that mission analysis never actually stops, right? Because right. you're constantly, you know, you, you still have to kind of reframe or, you know, adjust based on whether you're validating or invalidating facts and assumptions, all that stuff, right? Um, but that, you know, those running estimates, if I were king for a day, I'd get rid of the, I'd get rid of the term concept of support. And I would just say, hey, here's our running estimates. Because that's essentially what we're producing, right? I mean, there's no, we, we think it has to be this completely separate, you know, eight different slide by, you know, by commodity, by whatever. No, if you're, main, if you're managing your running estimates, that's it. Uh, and so it's it, you're in, exactly right. And so, you know, you might throw it on a different slide, but what you're really doing is you're operationalizing your running estimates. That That's it. Uh, and so, you know, you're doing MDMP without knowing you're doing MDMP, right? Uh, we're just calling it something or you don't acknowledge that it's, that, you know, at least that the mission analysis piece. Uh, and so, and, and the running estimate, the power of the running estimate is if you're able to share that, you don't necessarily, if you can't get up to the to the brigade talk for for you know the OPT or whatever, um, you can at least empower someone else to help make an educated decision. Otherwise, people are making decisions for you, and if they're going to make decisions for you, you at least want them to be informed with the right information. And that's what we owe as staff officers, right? So, I, I mean, you'll hear me say this a couple of times: the pace, how you're sharing the information, is absolutely critical. Because if I mean, it does no, it doesn't does you know nobody any good. Uh, if you're sitting here creating these these amazing PowerPoint slides at the BSA and no one in the brigade can see them, all right? That, it's irrelevant. Like, that's great. Pat on the back. You know, maybe you'll get an OER bullet out of it or whatever, but, you know, it's not helping the BCT. Um, but getting those running estimates right, sharing, get that, getting that information sharing, whether it's on JBCP, JCR, you know, whatever, um, uh, or, you know, you've built the relationship where, you know, you're you're tied in with the brigade four and those guys can you, you can communicate effectively and they can you know communicate how you think you're going to support things those running estimates are the foundational document in my mind that helps kind of kind of fuel that and so we see folks come in with initial running estimates a lot of them based off historical information a lot of them based off what they've done at their ltp um but because of poor or inaccurate reporting they're 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 consistently unable uh to refine that and then produce and then it's you know, then it swags, which I mean, I got it. You're right. Principle of sustainment improvisation, right? We, we, we threw that sure. in doctrine. So, um, you know, that, that's a way. Um, but what I would tell you is that, you know, without going too far down the rabbit hole, you know, proper FTCP usage and the right people to, to pull information and, you know, where those gaps are and then the commander's ability to actually, you know, maneuver around the battlefield, the BSP commander to go see what's going on if there's a gap or inject themselves uh, up in the brigade talk um, to help shape uh, the discussion, frame it, you know, from a sustainment perspective on what's feasible or what's not. Um, and then being, you know, again, going back to being value added to the process. You know, you can't just, you can't camp on the BSA and expect things to just go right. Which is part of that synchronization. Right? So it's not just synchronization in terms of how we traditionally think about it of a sync matrix and Okay, everybody leaves at the same time. It's transparency in communication. It's transparency in data flow. Uh, how do we make sure that everybody has our running estimate at the right time, uh, like you just said? Uh, and I think that's kind of critical, not only to, to planning, uh, or not only to execution, rather, but also to planning. Because if we're operating off different assumptions at the different levels, at the brigade, uh, at the B BSB, uh, then we've got to we're automatically desynced in the plan. So, so I would tell you that one of the most underappreciated and misunderstood roles in the United States Army is the role of the LNO, right? And so generally when you get tagged as an LNO, you're like, oh, someone doesn't like me. They're sending me off to, you know, <laughs> the, you know wherever, you know, I'm the LNO to, you know, 
like whatever. Um, and, you know, I would tell you, and I know JB's there, you know, we had some phenomenal LNOs when we were, in, we served together in third ID. Um, we had, it was, you know, our RC South, you know, and this wall of LNOs and, and, you know, you can run around like a chicken with your head cut off uh, and trying to, to, to get information and do certain things, but the power of a capable, competent and empowered LNO and in our case, a lot of times it's whoever's in the BSA that's those FTCP reps, right? Whether it's the FSC commander, the XO, the HHC, you know, however they decide to, you know, to, to skin that. And that's the, um, the field trains command post. Field trains command post yep. back at the BSA, yep. So, um, you know, whoever that person is, I would tell you that, you know, and it goes back to, you know, way left of the operation, how you establish that standard, what communication platform they have, you know, the executing that pace plan, getting the right person there that's that's got the right personality and, and competency and again empowered empowered to make decisions on behalf of that organization um you know that's that's what makes a difference so i can go if i know that i'm having issues with the calf squadron you know i go down to you know delta troops ftcp and they've got lieutenant so-and-so or captain so-and-so or sergeant so-and-so right um if they're able to get on a JBCP, send a couple of messages, find out what's going on and, you know, communicate back and forth, man, I'm saving so much time rather than just, throw, than just guessing and pushing something blind. Um, but that takes relationships, that takes standardization, that takes integration early on um, and early in a process. So as soon as, you know, as soon as you get received a mission, hey, I'm going to NTC or, hey, I'm deploying to, for nine months to wherever. You know, that's got to be the trigger for that sustainment guy to say, okay, I need to start building these relationships and these and, and getting these right folks back, because that's going to be the foundational organizational structure that's going to that's going to support everything from the, from that point on. And a lot of folks don't necessarily think about that. Like we get to NTC and it's, hey, I need someone in the FTCP. The units that have done it well have integrated back at home station. Um, the, the units that have kind of been on the struggle bus a little bit are ones that kind of get there and they're like, oh, crap, I need somebody. And then. They'll figure it out. We'll help them, you know, because again, the the intent of NTC is to make sure folks learn and get better, right? It's not just to let Black Horse do donuts in the BSA. Um, and 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 you know, the gold miners and the OC teams out there, you know, they they will absolutely help you do that. But you've also got to be willing to learn. So there's there's you know there's a give and take there. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and continuous learning is something we we sort of talked about before the show, uh, before we started. This is all about learning, so that we can do better in combat. So you mentioned something, you know, it kind of struck uh, in my mind, uh, LNOs and home station, uh, and maybe taking that, and this is probably to the maybe illogical extreme, uh, but we have a problem at home station even of getting parts from the SSA and things mm -hmm. just sitting in bins. Hey, why don't you change the way we're thinking? And instead of, um, and this is just, you know, again, maybe taking it to the logical extreme, put a LNO into the SSA, into where that field trans command post, you know, would be operating in the, the BSA. Yeah. Back in, you know, air quotes, right? Back you, in the you, rear, back at home. You have to replicate and, yeah. in garrison. So at, at, at the risk of having to turn in my LG branch insignia after saying this, um, you know, I, I think, you know, we're, we're, we're at, you know, we're getting towards the logical conclusion of Iraq, Afghanistan, you know, we're, we're at this next interwar period, right? You know, every, every major conflict, we kind of have that. So as we take a step back and look at how we've done things, I would argue that I think our force structure, and I was not this, I was, I'm an FSC guy, I was an FSC commander, and I, I was attached, assigned, OPCON, TACON, you name it, every which way, um, as, a, as an FSC commander for almost three years. Um, and I, I, I'm a big proponent of the FSC as an organization because I think it does a lot of great stuff. But what I would tell you is that I think we have task organized for garrison and we do not necessarily task organized for combat, right? So we have, our, we have this, this structure established right now. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of our, you know, discussions going on about this, you know, the SNC, the support platoon leader, the district platoon leader, the, BM, the BMO versus the MCO, all that kind of stuff. And we're the whole back to the future army of excellence construct that I came in the army with. Um, what I would tell you is that, you know, we need to have a, a good discussion on what right looks like for us to effectively organize our forces to, to be able to do this. And if every time we deploy, you're going to take 80% of your FSC and throw it back in the BSA and you don't necessarily train or rehearse that, you know, what is that, 
what you know what's the next logical step there so i you know i you can do this organically you can you know you can sit if you're at fort carson or hood or bliss or whatever you know you can say hey i'm going to take my distribution assets i'm going to take distro you can't devolve you can't divest maintenance from the from the line units like so maintenance has got to stay forward but i'm going to take distribution and i'm going right. to combine that and the fscxo guess what man you you in garrison even you live in the spo shop right and blaspheming yeah like oh my god who's going to do my inventories well right. you know yeah, we'll figure absolutely. it out right um you know it's okay you'll live um but that's how we fight and you know every every you know every leader i've ever heard is we got to train as we fight well guess what now we need to put up right let's actually train as we fight so so i think there's i think there's something to be said for relooking that not not getting rid of the fscs uh but i do think looking at how we task organize in garrison to better prepare for combat um and you know it, it, it i don't think it'd be that hard but i do think it's we are so we have a generation of folks that are used to having their stuff on their fob or cop or outpost and just you know being con, you know controlling everything at their disposal the reality is with elsco and going back to a division level fight um you have got to trust the sustainment the sustainers uh, to understand priority of support um, and be able to get you what you need when you need it. Um, and, you know, the days of having everything you need all the time are probably not, they're, they're not, they're not going to last. They're not lasting. Right. Um, and, you know, we, CASCOM has already done the analysis. The BSB has enough to give every, get everybody everything they need, just not all at once. Right. And that requires pooling of assets that requires prioritization that requires, but you know, you know. But it, but if you don't get everybody that's on the same boat and playing, you know, and, and again, I know we're kind of going on a rabbit hole here. But this all this goes back to MDMP and goes back to planning and 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 you know how do you set conditions now for all these types of things? And so a lot of it is foundational from a relationship perspective. A lot of it is how you organize, uh, and a lot of it is how you set your you know your structure up prior to having to execute. So you know, MDMP it's doing it successfully is not just getting out you know FM six O and going down you know down the checklist, which I recommend you do because 6.0 is the greatest piece of doctrine we've ever produced outside of 101-5 for some of the traditionalists out there. Um, but, um, you know, that that's foundational. And then getting things in the right place with the right people, the right equipment, you know, that's how you take it to its logical conclusion. It goes back to being feasible. Uh, and I think we don't start off with a feasible plan with some of the ways that we set ourselves up. So that's my, that's my rant on that. Yeah, Spectre. so pull, pull in a, a couple of those threads, uh, and we'll get back to some of them, right? We'll, yeah. we'll start um, really with, uh, well, opine on that a little bit, because what you just said allows the commander to mass effects at yeah. a time and place of our choosing, which we can't do all at once in Lisco. So, you know, massing sustainment to enable that operational reach, to enable that prolonged endurance for the main effort yes not necessarily for all the supporting efforts yeah uh, I think is, and that's, a, that that's that's a paradigm shift for folks what do you mean i'm not what do you mean i'm not important i'm i'm, I'm at outpost so-and-so i've got that it's not that fight anymore man and so right. we just haven't had to do god, god bless you know our the log core like we have done it, we have spoiled maneuver guys as we should that's our job uh but they've had everything they've needed either through green suitors or you know as we transition a lot of stuff over to contractors and we have a generation of folks that are just used to having everything they want, everything they need. And I'm not saying we shouldn't strive for that, but the reality is that there's hard decisions that we have to make. We're not used to having to make those decisions. And I don't think that we have trained folks that have had to make tough decisions. Well, hey, I can't do this. I got to do that. You know, MDMP is where, you know, priority of support, you know, you know, is an actual thing. CSR, RSR, all those things, right? That's not stuff that we've had to deal with. It's only been in like the SPO phase one and two course or back at Fort Lee or, you know, at the division level exercise at CGSC. But those are those are the types of decisions. Dude, you're only going to get eight Excalibur rounds for the week. Make it last. You, yeah. know, you know what I mean? Like that's 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 not something that people are, are you know, are, are comfortable hearing right now. Um, and so how do we prepare for that? And, and, and again, involvement in the planning process, you know, having those relationships, having those right people, having the structure set up the right way that type of stuff again mdmp is more than just a process it's it, it you know it's everything we've talked about has a role to play in this and it, it's not just as simple as the five steps in my opinion 
Yeah. Um, and so a couple of those points, running estimates, RSR, CSR, all that feeds into it. Uh, really, I think kind of feeds into a sync matrix as another tool. And I'd like to take a few minutes to talk about how do we synchronize all of these activities? And we're talking now at the brigade level. Uh, we'll get into the division and above uh, here shortly. But when we, when we look at the sync matrix, not only as a tool, but as a living and breathing document, yep. uh, how do we use that in MDMP, during COA dev, during war game, uh, but also after that in the operation? So, I mean, it, it's our framework, right? We've got to, you know, we've all seen it, right? We've all seen the 400, you know, cell long synchronization matrix that goes from here to eternity. And we've right? seen good ones and bad ones. And we've seen good and bad ones. So what I would tell you, what we used to coach um, when I was out at NTC was, hey, you know, different strokes for different folks. Um, you know, that large sync matrix has got it because again, it goes, it, it kind of goes into the planning time horizons, right? Co-ops, co-ops plans, right? So co-ops, like if I'm in, in Think about it in the lowest common denominator, right? That 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 infantry or armor platoon leader down on the line. What does that dude care about? That dude cares about what I need now and what I need tomorrow, right? That's probably you know, and so he needs to understand and, and get that 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 level of situational understanding from a sync matrix. It's going to cover that. The company commander, the battalion staff, maybe they need you know three to five days. Battalion brigade, sustained brigade, all that stuff. They need the larger one. So where I think. Where I think we get people's eyes rolling back in their head is when we give them this massive document that's that's unintelligible in some cases to the average human being um, because they don't you know they can't zoom in you know far enough to actually read anything. Uh, so what I would tell you is that the massive the, the massive document you someone someone's got to be doing that right because you've got to you've got to be able to look out and predict and, and provide information to hire and they've got to be able to you know fuels coming from somewhere. How do I predict how much I'm putting on a ship? back from the United States or wherever I'm, you know, wherever DLA is getting our, our gas from. Um, but the lowest common denominator only needs to know, you know, one to three days tops. So you, you build one product, but you disseminate it on the kind of needs to know basis. So how you share it, you know, it could be JBCP, it could be this, it could be, you know, it could be, you know, carrier pigeon for all I care, but it's gotta be, it's gotta be sent out. And so again, I go back to, you know, the pace um, how we're doing information management, knowledge management, and then how we're sharing that information. That's where the right person there, that LNO or that FTCP rep, um, sharing that information out and then, you know, being able to blast it to all your, you know, key leaders uh, from an FSC to all the folks in their maneuver unit, getting it published uh, in, you know, the brigade order. But that, you know, that, that's how you, how you share it. Because again, greatest sync matrix, greatest sync matrix in the world is nothing if no one looks at it right um, if, it's, if it's just sitting on the spose wall oh yeah it doesn't it's, get distributed or the great four. that the spose know the spo knows it right but if the brigade four and the brigade three and those battalions don't understand that and that's where i think when you you know when you pare it down you do log sync meetings i mean and, and again log sync meetings are something that's you're supposed to validate right you're not not really supposed to recreate the wheel but it's a validation of hopefully what we've already published and then any new and emerging requirements uh in my opinion um but again, getting that, hey, here's the next, here's the next at max 72 hours, right? Because you don't, we have a problem right now. And I think this is, you know, across the warfighting functions of information overload, right? We, we honestly have way too much information at this point, right? And so how do we get to synthesis? How do we get to the point where we can actually use information to make decisions? Well, hey, giving a giving a, a, a line company 72 hours worth of data on hey when i've got log packs coming is probably about as much as they need right now yeah. if they need more they can ask and that's great um and their information is out there but you know don't don't hog bandwidth don't hog you know space on his you know his gmail account or you know whatsapp because you know apparently that's in, that's that's pace that's in the pace plan nowadays which we got to fix that hopefully not um, yeah. <laughs> yeah i know right um but give them what they need, right? It's 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 like the old uh, it's like the old picture, you know. Give them what they need enough and on time, right? That that's that's what we need to focus on. Um, Which is really, a lot of discipline, I think, on our part, not to overwhelm them or hit the easy button, send out the entire sync page. Yes, because they don't need it. I mean, it, it's it's right. nobody cares. I hate to break it to you, it's a great sync matrix, but you know, your eighty thousand cells of information when I only need forty of them, like, dude, like that's great. 
goes back to, uh, you know, kind of the commander role. And the way that I like to apply it is really the staff's role as well in the operations process, that understanding, visualizing, and describing. Yep. If, If it takes you 10 hours to explain the sync matrix, it's probably not a great sync matrix. But it but it's a residual effect from the from G Watt and Coin, right? We're yeah. used to having horse blankets. We're used to having everything. And again, Elsco, I mean, we you know, it's yes, someone needs to be thinking about those different planning horizons and what's next. But guys in the fight and then you know at the BSB level, we need to have a effective level of communication based on what we need and how we're going to accomplish the mission. Um, again, you're, you, the Brigade Four can be worried about kind of what's next and tying tying in with the SPO. But again, how do we get what they need, you know, to the folks that need it when they need it, um, and then let them know what's coming? Because there's a, again another another bumper sticker phrase uh, that I threw out all the time is you know you can't there's only 24 hours in the day, so you're not getting any more time, but you can sure affect how effective you are with your time by not wasting it, by being more efficient, by not you know being superfluous when you know, you've got an opportunity to, to get folks around a table and talk, like get to the point, get them what they need, get them out of there so we can maximize time and gain efficiencies. But that, that's how you take care of soldiers. That's how you get guys in the SSA more sleep. That's how you get truck drivers bed down time. You don't waste time. People that know that folks are coming on the road and they're there to receive and they can download quick and do a quick turn. That saves an hour or two of a kid's time. That kid can come back, reset, refit, go to sleep, get ready for the next one. So again, that, but that's all stuff that the sync matrix integration, proper MDMP, accurate running estimates, and then being able to communicate that across the force gets us. And that's leaders' jobs, right? You know, the, 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 the number one thing that drives me insane is that staff officers think that they're not leaders. No, you're driving yeah. a process, dude. You, yeah. Like you are, like you are absolutely, your inefficiency or your inability to do your job is absolutely going to make some kid's life down on the line infinitely more hard than it needed to be. Uh, and so if you think for one second that you don't have a role to play, and helping an organization move forward, or that just because you're doing, you know, you know, subset X on your paragraph four, no, like that's like it's important enough to be in there. It's in there, or it's not, and you take it out, and you don't waste someone's time. But that's you know, that's also a decision that you make. So, yeah, that's you know, you struck a nerve there. There's one point <laughs> in my career. Well, there, there is. There's one point in my career where I was a staff officer, and I forgot I was leader also. Yeah, uh, and it showed, and it impacted. Uh, and then I quickly uh, <laughs> changed that. You know, from the day you put on that rocker, the day that you put on that gold bar, you're a leader, regardless of the position you're in. Absolutely, uh, you're wearing. And I guess we don't wear green tabs anymore. Uh, but whether you're wearing that green tab or not, uh, you are a leader. And so, staff officer, staff leader. Uh, yeah. Wow. Um, and so, let's talk about some of those leaders then. I'd like to kind of transition from that and get into, we've talked about the SPO, we've talked a little bit about the, the four, um, and this is at the brigade level, but it also replicates up. And now that the division is a unit of action and we have a divisional assigned sustainment brigades and the DSBs, mm-hmm. um, you know, all of these are replicated. We'll stay at the brigade level, but replicated up. You know, some of those other staff officers that we have and leaders uh, that we have besides the BSB SPO and the four, um, what are some of the roles of the other staff in the MDMP process? We've got the one, the chaplain, the surgeon, the S8, all part of the sustainment warfighting function. Uh, can you talk through some of those and then maybe the role of the BSB commander and the brigade XO as well? Well, so, you know, I think, so we'll start with the brigade staff, right? So the, the SPO you know, the holy trinity of, of logistics field grades, right? So the SPO, the XO, and the Brigade 4, like they've got to be on, you know, there's there's not one any better or worse than the other. Each of them plays integral roles. You know, if done right, the Brigade 4 is an absolute moneymaker uh, in helping with influence uh, with, you know, the Brigade 3 and the operations piece. Again, it goes back to, you know, who are the, who are the where are the pockets of influence in a brigade, in, an, in, in any organization, right? Usually it's the Brigade XO, usually it's the Brigade 3, uh, and, and, you know, so the Brigade S4 is is got a great opportunity to help influence and shape things that are going on, right? But he's got to so, be in the room where it happens. But they've got to be in the room, and you've got to have a good relationship with the folks down at the, down that are executing, right? And so the great, you know, the, one of the great things about, you know, being a sustainer is that if we get in the process early enough, we can help shape it more than, more than most. Yeah. 
because you know the greatest plan in the world that's not that's not sustainable ain't going to happen or it is and it's going to happen poorly but if we can if we can come up and figure out ways to get to yes early on that are you know you know suitable acceptable feasible all you know all the all the all, all the good stuff um that, that you know that when we go through the planning process um you know that helps us out considerably because then it's something that we can execute uh you know well within the comfort zone not, not saying that we need to worry about our comfort zone necessarily but again it, it goes back to a, a feasible plan uh and identifying that what potential limitations there are and then what the mitigations are uh and communicating that early uh and I, that's where i think the brigade level staff absolutely can, can work that at an ntc or an elsco environment look the s1 personnel replacement things that we haven't really done in a long time like having someone down there that can, you know, at the PIHA and all that type of stuff, like that's stuff that we haven't done and we don't really do all that well. Um, you know, yeah, syncing up, syncing up, you know, thinking about, you know, putting an LMT, a covered LMTV with your FTCP that can, that can go out on whatever log packs going out to help send personnel replacements out or retrograde folks back in if they're, you know, they're, they're leaving theater or whatever. Something yeah, as sorry. simple as that. We talked with Major General Place, the eighth MedCom commander. Uh, MedCom DS last week, um, and he's concerned about the largest connection that medical and sustainment have. The biggest problem we have is retrograding casualties. Yeah, uh, on Kazavac platforms, and also, you know, how do you get, like you said, those replacements forward? Yeah, uh, I mean, you need those guys. You need them, you yeah. need them quick, and so. You know, not everything's going to go in a FLA. Not everything's going to be able to get flown out, right? I mean, realistically, if we're in a super kinetic environment like medevac, if we don't have, you know, if seed hasn't gone in and we don't, you know, we flew a lot of stuff out at NTC that, quite frankly, I'm like, dude, you never would have gotten that far close. You'd have to go back to two AXPs and this and that, you know. So, um, but even the routines, right? Get, you know, the, the routine yeah. folks that have to get out of there. Like, so, so if it, that that's where those guys can help plan that you know that's where the the, the surgeon that's where the s1 and, and you know bless them like folks were tried really really hard to integrate that in the planning process but when you were when you were constrained a lot of that stuff didn't make it into the you know to the, the support rehearsals um and some really good brigade sergeants majors actually like hey stop no everybody get you know get back around the map we're going to do you know the medevac rehearsal we're going to show ambulance exchange points we're going to talk about personnel retrograde that type of stuff um and so you know that that's another key component that a lot of folks kind of hand wave and, and if i'm honest we kind of let them do it because it's not it's not necessarily the training objective the primary training objective it's usually a secondary or tertiary one um but what i would tell you is man i don't think people quite understand how potential how potentially bad this can be um for what's perceived to be somewhat of a menial task uh but what that you know what, what the impact that's going to be if we ever get into a big fight i yeah. mean it's i mean you know again traditionally you know if you look back historically we have not fared fairly well in all of our first engagements right you want to look at north africa you want to look you know uh you want to look at korea you want to, you know fair and back in this kind of war i mean is is littered with opportunities to learn uh, about how we could have done things better if we'd you know plan and prepared better um we're in that same type of window right now you thought you start talking nbc and all these other things that we've kind of let go by the wayside um and they're not sexy they're not but they're 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 going to be they're going to be the things that kind of set us apart from being successes or failures in certain arenas um and that's where that that's where the special staff you know that that's where all that stuff is you know the chaplain helping out with the mortuary affairs collection point helping you know what's the battlefield circulation to help these guys what's you know they're not they're not necessarily full-blown full psychologists or behavioral health guys but you know there is a role that they can help in combat you know that, that they've got to figure out right um and it's got to be integrated and tied in with with whatever's going out or what's coming you know what's coming back and i've seen some chaplains do it really well and i've seen some chaplains that just kind of hang out and that's you know it's they're they're kind of binary like that um i hit on it just for real quickly but I, what we haven't talked about yet you know is the role of the non-commissioned officers in all this yeah right? oh my god um that's and i'll tell you bring that up no i mean and it's one of those things like planning is not an officer is just is not just an officer thing right how many ncos have you sent to battle staff right and then when they come back from battle staff how many folks do you actually put into a position where they are affecting the planning process right i mean it's not just something to help them get them promoted like that's like they should come back from that course fully prepared and armed to you know help help fill a role in the planning process and it's it's one of the most underutilized uh, the spo ncos generally are, are pretty decent um 
but again, it goes back for us, you know, I said it earlier, we're task organized for garrison, not for combat. What is your S3 and CYC usually doing in garrison? Schools, PT, barracks, making sure the staff duty Ross, you know, like th th that type of stuff. And we don't get them involved back in garrison to, to get better at these processes. And so, you know, really to run MDMP. Yeah. I mean, it's, run the, I mean, yeah. they, they got, I mean, God bless them, man. But, but, you know, and, and, and Fort Lee does a pretty good, I, I've said it a couple of times, the best, best training I ever got on MDMP outside of, outside of Sam's was, was CGSC or excuse me, was a um, career course at Leavenworth. They did a phenomenal job there. Um, and so, you know, going to my next unit, that's great, but you don't have the, you don't have the experience. You don't have, you know, that E6, that E7, that E8, you know, that they can be like, sir, ma'am, like timeout, what are we doing? You know, like, and, and that is, you know, goes back to, you know, gaining efficiencies, you know, getting, getting buy-in, getting that experience to the table and then forcing people to actually provide that information, provide that input. Um, you know, we specifically, and, and, it, and it's something in the sustainment community, because I, I, on the maneuver side, those NCOs run it over there. For, for whatever reason, from what I've seen, like you get some, you get some really good NCOs when it comes to planning. Um, I, we, they're, they're just, in my opinion, there appears to be somewhat of a deficit, um, whether it's officers not involving them, whether it's NCOs not stepping up or it's somewhere in between. Um, and I think it's a gap that we have got to get better at, and we've got to force it back at Garrison because there's, there's too much knowledge and understanding and capability there to let, you know, a, a four or five year captain, um, or a pre-command captain in the three, if you, you know, if you have, if you didn't talk to HRC early enough and get someone, you know, held over, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and, and so, you know, the, the non-commissioned officers and all this, like, it's such a big piece. Um, and it could, you know, delineating roles, responsibilities, who's doing what, um, it, 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 you, you just gain so much more efficiency and it's so much better uh, if they're involved. Um, but you've got to force it, right? You, you've, got, you've got to integrate it early. You've got to force the process. You're probably going to get a little bit of resistance. I mean, I've, I've had a dollar for every time I said, hey, you know, hey, sir, that's, that's officer stuff. Well, you know, I'm not a big fan of officer versus NCO business. It's leader business. And it goes back to the whole leadership discussion. It's, right, leader, yeah. it's leader business, man. Are you a leader or are you not? Are you going to be involved in the process or not? Um, and so, yeah, there's some stuff that NCOs can handle. There's some stuff that officers can handle. But at the end of the day, it's leader stuff that's got to get taken care of to take care of the soldier and support everybody you need to support. So, you know, that, that, whole, that whole officer and CO delineation. No, man. Like, the, the, there should be very little daylight between the S3 and the S3 and COIC. There should be very little daylight between the S4 and the S4 and COIC. Right? I mean, that's why they're there. Like, day shift, night shift, you know, cover down, what, you know, whatever, however it is you use it. Um, uh, but there should be continuity enough between the two that they are almost interchangeable. Uh, and able to provide into the process, in my opinion. So, um, and let's see, uh, we talked about uh, Brigade XO. So this one, so I was a Brigade XO uh, maneuver, BCT Brigade XO, because uh, we were inactivating and I had an awesome boss who gave me that opportunity after being a Brigade 4. And uh, I will tell you, um, when done right, probably one of the most powerful folks in the BCT, because they can, you know, the ability to get around the battlefield, the ability to really pull in the staff at echelon uh, to exert, you know, power and influence. And I don't mean like with a metal, you know, metal fist, but I mean, you know, a, a good brigade XO that has the, you know, that, that can, that can communicate to the brigade commander, uh, knows their intent, um, and then can help effectively communicate that, you know, up and down um, is worth their weight in gold. And I'll tell you, you know, that should be the BSB's greatest ally. Um, the BSB has the ability to help keep the Brigade XO out of trouble with the DCGs when he has to go to all those division level meetings. Uh, and the, the Brigade XO has the ability to help the BSB in exerting influence uh, and communicating, you know, uh, with the brigade and to the other battalion commanders um, when they're, you know, kind of the type, you know, the vice president of the Senate, right? Kind of the tie-breaking vote in some cases, you know, you know, if there's an issue. And so, you know, involvement in the maintenance meetings and all that type of stuff, you look at it, a lot of folks are like, hey, that Brigade XO needs to be at all this stuff. No, it's when you're, again, they're going to take my, my LG branch insignia for this, but, you know, realistically, keeping the Brigade XO informed, um, it's unrealistic in a lot of cases to expect the Brigade XO to be at every meeting, like at NTC, right? The dude's got to drive, depending on what's going on, there's a lot, you know, he's running the talk and, and a bunch of other things. But taking the time to keep them informed, having touch points, and then again, having someone, if you're for whatever reason, not at the table, having the Brigade XO and the Brigade 4 up there to help, 
communicate, you know, interests. Uh, and then that, that relationship, even as the, B, the BSB commander shouldn't be above uh, going to hang out with the Brigade XO. Um, I would oh, tell you it. that you, you will make so much money um, and, and help shape so many things. You know, the, the maneuver guys spend a lot of time with the three, right? The only time they come to the XO is when there's something screwed up, right? Oh, what do you mean my flipples are late? What do you mean this is, you know, uh, the BSB commander uh, has, has, a, has a, a great opportunity to, to get a really staunch ally in the Brigade XO if they can build that relationship early, um, get them involved as much as they, you know, as much as they can uh, and, and, and inform them to empower uh, getting them to help make decisions uh, with, at the Brigade level. And so, you know, a lot of times, the, you know, I had, you know, when I was a commander, you know, I'm our brigade. So I, I kind of, I'd go just say, how's it going? And a lot of the stuff they're dealing with is in your wheelhouse anyway. Right. So you can usually help them out. Um, again, the maneuver guys are usually just coming there to tear it, like to rip their face off because like, ah, you know, what's, what's late. What is this? Well, you didn't tell me about that. My, you know, th there's an opportunity there. So just, I would take that, you know, that, that is, that is an absolute kind of key leader engagement. You should, you know, or your XO, you know, your XO needs to be the guy that's helping out the brigade XO, not the one that's always, you know, giving them problems. Um, so there's, there's some opportunities there. And so bringing this up uh, from the brigade level, both in, in people and in MDMP processes, um, like to talk a little bit, if we can, about division and core. Okay. Uh, and, and just what are the changes between executing MDMP? What are the differences at the brigade level? And then at the division and above division and core, especially as we move to new unit of actions, the higher level, you know, the core is now considered a tactical a unit of action. How do we think about MDMP differently? Does it change? Do the processes change? Uh, et it, you know, I don't think, I mean, it goes, some, a lot of it's, you know, I call it, you know, four digit grid level of detail, right? So, you know, the arrows, the arrows get a lot bigger <laughs> as, as you go up, right? Um, and a lot of folks would potentially mistake that for not having to worry about you know, certain details. Um, I think everything, it's detail planning for a reason, but at Echelon, you know, the details you're worried about are, are magnified. Uh, and so um, I, I got to caveat this with, uh, or preface this with, um, you know, I have not served at the core level necessarily. Um, but what I would tell you is that um, you still have to go through the process that, you know, you're dealing in millions instead of thousands and a lot of, you know, stuff like that. Um, but what you don't want to do is be the staff section that just passes the problem down an echelon, right? And so you, you, if you're not value added, then what are you? And so at the core level, at the division level, like, you know, you've got to find ways to help solve problems that are, that are at your level, right? whether it's priority support, whether it's priority of maintenance, whether it's priority of evac, whether it's, you know, really it's prioritization, right? That's because you're talking at that, at, at that level, you're talking less about tactics and you're talking more about resourcing, right? And so the resourcing component, all that is absolutely critical. Who gets what, why are they getting it? How are you advocating on behalf of, you know, and then are those lower echelons involved in the planning process going back to the LNOs, right? Are they communicating, you know, what they're trying to do and what are you, are you giving folks, you know, a mission that's executable and it's, are you able to resource it? And so, you know, going from core where it's probably four digit level, four digit grid level of detail, you know, having to get down to, you know, division, which is eight and then, you know, continuing on down, you know, to, as you put meat on the bone, um, you know, that, that piece, you, you got to get your piece right at echelon. And so I think the first part is understanding what that is. Um, and a lot of folks, again, I mean, me included, like a lot of folks haven't done this, right? What does a core do in large-scale combat operations? What does a division do in large-scale combat operations, right? You're and not, not even that, yeah, not I even mean, that, but but the level of detail that's involved. I think yeah. we were able to get away with it in COIN and everything was brigade-centric. The brigade four figured it out. The brigade SPO figured it out and just fed the division. But you weren't and moving, then let the division right? You were stationary. You had CPOF. You had, right. you had great connectivity. You had all this stuff, right? And so... You know, I, I think, you know, one of the things we talked about at NTC is that like there is so much, when you start looking at deep, close and rear fights, um, you know, there is so much stuff that we are throwing on a brigade now 
you know, you've got to move, you've got to shoot, you've got to communicate, you've got to do all those basic things, but then you've got to worry about, you know, you start talking about multi-domain operations and all that, you know, you got to worry about space, you got to worry about cyber, like, do you, should you? Like, no, I need you to go to this point and kill stuff. And so, you know, what, what are you doing at those echelons to take something off of the, 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 the you know, that, that local, that, that brigade that's having to fight, right? Um, core, what are you doing to, you know, what assets are you bring to bear to help the division? Uh, and shape can, that deep yeah. And, and so, you know, there's a role in all that, um, you know, and from a sustainment perspective, you know, you can look at the early days when we were establishing, you know, uh, in Kuwait and Afghanistan and, and getting stuff going before we all got completely stationary, you know, we were still driving up to Baghdad and we were doing you know, cedar and skin. Yeah, yeah, all that. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there are absolutely, you know, core level route management, like how are we pushing stuff, movement control assets and things like that, that most of the time, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Every time I saw a movement control team, when I was trying to leave a lot as a, as a captain, I kind of laughed and I was like, Hey, see those two Bradleys. That's my, that's my convoy clearance. And we left, right. Probably not the right answer, but I mean, but, but there's certain, you know, there's certain things that there's certain things that, you know, we, that, that have to be done. And, and, you know, at this point where we're at with this transition, you know, it's, it's, you know, the, the uncoiling plan for a division. Like, I mean, we used to do that, you know, how do I get out of, you know, if I'm heading to, to Baku across, you know, you know, and I'm, just, I'm dating myself, but you know, the old, the old, old scenario, like how do I, unco- yeah, how do I uncoil a division? Like you can't all go down highway one at the same time and how am I prioritizing it? What are my ASRs? And you know, they, that stuff matters, right? Transporters everywhere should be just getting super excited because they're relevant again, right? That was a joke. That was a joke. There you go. Nah. <laughs> right. But so, so, but there's all that type of stuff that we now have to do uh, that we kind of haven't done or we've contracted out. Uh, and, you know, the schoolhouse has got a really big piece to play in, in kind of regreening, um, regreening our, our folks in, in some of these things that just honestly, there's not that literally 20 years of not having to do that unless you were actually in an MCT or an MCB or, you know, yeah, and even then it was, yeah. And, and, you know, and I, I mean, I, 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 I'm smart enough to, you know, know some of the buzzwords, but man, I was a second Lieutenant during army of excellence for like two years. And then we went to force 21. So, you know, my perspective is based on, you know, second Lieutenant Parker back at first calf, you know, in the early two thousands. So, um, you know, we, we, there, there's a lot of stuff like we, we got a lot to be proud of over the last 20 years, but we've got a lot of stuff that we've got to, we've got to figure out. We, I, hopefully we have time to do it. Um, so. Right. Yeah, and well, we got to take the time we have going yeah, back exactly. to those hours yeah. in the day. Exactly. And, uh, and maximizing that. Awesome. Uh, kind of getting back into some more about tools. Yep. Um, in our initial knowledge management framework that we started to talk about. Uh, so what are some tools? You know, we talked sync matrix. We talked running estimates um, that sustainers and non-sustainers alike have to assist with determining our requirements and capabilities? So, I mean, and I had a discussion with, a, you know, listening to the, a couple of senior leaders this week talk about it. You know, it doesn't necessarily matter like what you produce because every unit has their SOP. Everybody has their tax op, whether you're using, you know, the loo, which, you know, even though it's out of favor right now, I mean, it's still out there, right? Um, whether it's still using, a great tool. And still a great tool, um, you know, I'm less, less, I guess, worried about how, you know, what tools they use other than the fact that they have them. Right. And so you've got to, again, the theme throughout has been, you know, what are you, what are you creating that's value added? And then how are you sharing it? So, and if you're, if you're like knee deep in pivot tables and it's, you know, you need a PhD to read it, then that's great for the spoke shop maybe. Uh, But it's not something that, you know, this new infantry support platoon leader down at, you know, whatever CAV is going to, you know, I don't know, he might, he may not. Um, it's less about the products, I think, and more about what we are producing and how it helps drive the decisions. And I know that's probably not the answer you're looking for, because look, there's, there's a thousand different products out here. And I'll tell you, um, from a data perspective, I'm doing my, my research paper next semester on, on kind of data analytics and how do we, how do we better integrate that into decision making for sustainers you look at all the data that we produce it with you know that comes out of g army uh and you know all of our other systems how do we use that to 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 drive decisions how do we you know it's not just an esr right 
you know, the old parts received, not installed list, you know, looking at you, how you're filling your SSLs, all that data, um, how long it takes you to get a part hung, how long, you know, if a vehicle hasn't changed out of a certain status, you know, all those, all that information, you know, how do we take that, process it, and lead it to drive decisions, right? Because we've got enough data out there right now to say, hey, look, you know, hey, Lieutenant Colonel Baldwin, man, he's your number one maneuver commander, dude is like super hot. But if I go back and look at his historical and I look pull all the data out of G Army and I look historically, hey, his maintenance is kind of kind of suspect. So, you know, re within reason, I can pr use predictive analysis and say, hey, he might be your best tactician. But as far as an endurance perspective, if you put him in the lead, like you can you can maybe expect, you know, him to, to maintain a 70 percent OR rate or above for this long. It's all, I mean, it's a guesstimate, it's a swag. But I mean, we have the data to where we could potentially use predictive analysis, even with without AI now. Or I say, hey, I've got Ballard, you know, he, he's your number two or three dude, uh, but but his maintenance is pretty good. And we know we'll be able to sustain a fight if that's what this first fight requires. And so how do we take all of our sustainment data, operationalize it, and then drive it towards a decision that helps, helps again, in the planning process, uh, that helps drive decisions uh, that have real world implications on what we're doing. And so that, I mean, that, that's kind of an anecdotal uh, example, but I would tell you that, that you know, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Stacy Moore and the gold miner team now, you know, she is taking some stuff that we were working on when I was there and she's absolutely run with it. Uh, and it's getting, you know, in a 75th innovation command and, you know, a bunch of folks involved to try and, you know, help, help units one see themselves early on and then provide them some products. Uh, and so it's probably worth talking to her about some of that as well, her or Major Jared Farkas. But, um, you know, there are, there are some new products out there that are kind of being developed at the local level that if you're going to the national training center that they will provide you during LTP and kind of give you a, a site picture that's more of an internal look, but it would, it'll help drive decisions. So, but, but that's one example, right? Every unit in the army kind of has their own, um, you know, their own products that they're using. I, I personally, uh, you know, the sustainment one-stop and I can't remember what they renamed it to now, but that was always a great, you know, I've, I've used that resource a ton of times, you know, what is the next loop? Right. So as we look to modernize what process you got card, um, which kind of gives you, you know, kind of the bumper sticker level detail of, you know, kind of readiness. Um, and it's a great product, but, you know, there's a couple limitations on you can't task organize, you know, it only does pure. So if you if you task organize an NTC or, or in a deployment, it's a little harder to to adjust. So, you know, what are we what are we as a community doing uh, to develop the next tool that's going to help sustainers? Because so, quite, frank, quite frankly, we should be able to get beyond Excel at this point. Not that Excel, yeah. not that not that Excel is not great. Not that we haven't, you know, won in, you know, won wars with it at this point, right? I mean, the Lou helped every lieutenant I know get through that, you know, their 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 ICOS at, at Fort Lee. Um, but Wait, so, but yeah, so for our listeners, right? Like you are the innovators in the army, right? You are going to come up with that next solution. So absolutely, if you have that idea, and this goes back to innovation, modernization, et cetera. It starts, a lot of it's top-down driven, but so much of it is bottom-up. If you have these ideas, let us know. We've well, until, until like the old- Joe Parker innovating out there. Well, but until the old guys like you and me, you know, uh, you know, convince folks to help standardize some stuff across. And it's, it's look, it's, it's real easy to sit here on my high horse and say we should be having, but it, you know, it, it's, it's not that easy, right? There's, there's policy, there's money, there's all these things that, that have to be done. And, you know, the, the, the older you are, the more you kind of realize that, that you can't just, you know, flip a switch and everybody gets a commo dude in the FSC. Like, should we have them? Probably, but it's not that simple. Well, that, that being right. said, there are plenty of forums. Like you don't quit talking about it. You don't quit pushing for the capability. Um, you know, you, you, you talk about it, you write about it, you, you hopefully help influence it. Um, and, and it goes back to the one to end prioritization, right? It, it's, it's not important yet, but it might be eventually. So don't, you know, don't put it by the wayside. The other pieces, again, forums like this, um, shameless plug for the logistics uh, officer network page on Facebook. I mean, there's product sharing there. There's a team page. So there's, there's a lot of uh, grassroots product sharing. You know, we can help each other out, get through a lot of the stuff because, you know, big army doesn't turn on a dime, right? It, it, you know, there are, there are plenty of great things being done that I know a lot of senior leaders are looking at. But there's also a lot of constraints on how we're going to spend money and what we're going to make systems of record, programs of record, and that type of stuff. So, you know, just because you know we come up with something great and someone says no, don't don't get you know don't get too upset about it. You know, keep keep improving, keep doing what you're doing, uh, because that's how ideas start. Right? I mean, that's 
you know, that, that's how half the stuff in Iraq and Afghanistan came about, right? Some some E4, some high-speed kid decided he wanted to take a glow plug and put a box around it and, you know, put it 12 feet in front of his Humvee to help, you know, prevent IEDs from blowing up on a Humvee. And next thing you know, they're on every single truck in, in, in theater. So, you know, th- there are there are plenty of venues and forums and ways to help get that stuff out there. So don't don't keep innovating. Like, and innovation doesn't require, you know, you know, that's, that, anybody can do it right at the local level share it that type of stuff it doesn't have to necessarily be an army-wide thing if it's good enough I'm, I'm pretty sure senior leaders will see it and take note and you know hopefully adopt some of that you know then there's you know that that's where the schoolhouses are, are great right the collaborative forums the ability to share information the ability to take some of these things and then you know kind of codify that you know tradoc we, you know we look at forcecom as kind of that kind of where we want to do innovation but you know until tradoc kind of latches on it doesn't become institutionalized but if you if you do it enough in those types of forums um you know then it catches hold and moves on so awesome yeah so some wrapping up here i've got a couple more questions but some final thoughts on mdmp planning etc i know i want to put a big plug out there for uh fm60 there's a new one coming out here shortly um what do you think do it do mdmp like I said, if I don't care if it's a Christmas party, a car wash, go into the field, like you've got to get sets. Like, how do you get better at shooting free throws? You shoot more free throws. How do you get better at the planning process? You you, you plan more, right? And you, you're deliberate about it. You don't cut steps. You don't always go directed courses of action. You don't, three, you know, COA three is not always a throwaway, right? So um, you, you've got to actually, I mean, you're, we're laughing, because, you know, but that's that's how we kind of came up because it's like, oh, the commander's going to come in and give us a directed course of action. So I'm just going to, I'm going to BS, you know, these last two. Don't do that, you know, take time and effort. Uh, don't get too, don't get too wedded to the plan, right? You know, because there's a lot of times you spend a lot of time and effort on COA two and three. And if one gets picked, you, you know, you go home butt hurt. No, like that's to your opening quote, right? It's not the plan, it's the planning to plan. We didn't even touch on like branches and sequels. And that's, that's where all the other things that, that you learn in the planning process they help out because the staff already has that knowledge whether or not you use it you you continuously build off it over the course of an operation so and you only get those you only get that that mental you know you know you, you only get that that built into you know your understanding by by continuously doing it um but yeah follow the checklists right seven oh or excuse me six oh um you know I, I use it all the time um there's nothing wrong with opening the book and going on the checklist right this isn't a test um, just, you know, the doctrine is there. This is one time, one time when you probably shouldn't deviate, like pull, open it out, use it. Um, it's there for you. And it's, it's actually really, really good. So whoever wrote that, you know, kudos to you guys. Um, and then I'm trying to think what else, what's the last, uh, kind of wrap up. Well, so we want to talk a little bit, um, personally, right. So what's the best book you've read recently or are reading now? Um, Best one I've read recently uh, was uh, Marshall Goldsmith's "What Got You Here Won't Get You There." Um, you know, that's Classic. depending on. De- yeah, I mean, it's a great book. Um, you know, and it's it's kind of one of those. You know, you see it on a lot of reading lists, but I would tell you whether you're a lieutenant going to be a captain, a captain turning, you know, going in to be a field grade or a lieutenant, you know, lieutenant colonel getting ready to take command or you know getting ready to be a colonel. Um, perspective matters, uh, and so you know that book was. If you haven't read it, it's well worth you know get 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 the audio book or read it or whatever but that one was awesome and i think uh, if you if you have read it and you're preparing for a transition maybe pick it up and read it again yeah because you'd be so it, it means different things at different points in your life um i've read it twice um uh from a military perspective um i am about a third of the way through logistics in the falklands war uh one of my armor buddies uh wrote a paper uh, on the falklands war uh, but it's a great story about expeditionary logistics. Uh, how do you support, you know, a fight, uh, you know, literally a world away when your, you know, your base is Great Britain uh, and you're fighting literally in the other hemisphere uh, down in, you know, down in the southern hemisphere in the Falklands. And so uh, great little book. Uh, it's by Kenneth Pravatsky. Um, and then, you know, for just kind of mentally preparing yourself, um, you know, these two aren't probably won't surprise anybody, but you know, when, when I'm talking to lieutenants and captains, I, I generally recommend, you know, read Ghost Fleet. It's an easy read. I'm surprised it's not a movie yet. Uh, but if you read Ghost Fleet and then read Fahrenbach's This Kind of War and kind of compare what happened in Korea, at least for the first half of the book, and then overlay 
kind of the threats and the problem sets that Ghost Fleet brings up, you have a real possible scenario for what our next conflict could look like, right? So potentially overconfident coming out of 20-year coin, yada, yada, yada. Uh, look at what China and Russia and your peer competitors are doing uh, and, you know, how cyber and all these other things affect, you know, and so looking at some of the challenges that, that the tactical commanders had on the ground and then throw some of those new age problem sets over top of it. I think, you know, juxtaposing those two books together, I think provides an interesting framework and problem sets that I think we're going to have to face, uh, you know, in, in whatever we, you know, wherever we fight next. So. Yeah. And you're right about Ghost Fleet being a movie. I can't wait till. Uh, singer gonna get to that contract with hollywood i know right be killer new yeah, yeah. come on net, come on netflix i'm, I'm counting on right. you <laughs> so, yeah so other than that other than the potential new release for ghost fleet yeah favorite movie oh gosh um this is the one i didn't think about beforehand um the departed yeah good thing living in boston and it has That's nothing right to do with living in boston it's the yeah. it's you know it's the departed uh yeah. that that movie's awesome some, some great acting in, in, uh, <laughs> yeah Scorsese finally got his Oscar yeah and then finally if you could tell your 20 year old self and this is kind of a deep one here if you could tell your 20 year old self one thing uh, what would it be calm down dude <laughs> just calm down right you know and it's 20 year old me I don't know I had a lot of fun in some cases maybe too much fun but um it's funny, and we've talked about this in some classes and things that I've done recently, you know, um, not everything is an emergency, not everything is on fire. It might seem so without perspective. Uh, that doesn't, now on the flip side, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean like, you know, relax and don't take everything serious. Um, but just think through problem sets, and, you know, you know, don't be the guy in the article 15 that says, well, sir, he's a good soldier. No, you've got to, you know, calm down, think a little bit more critically. Uh, and that's hard to do, I think, at that age, right? I mean, it's every, everything is everything is a wrong or a complete affront, uh, and you're very passionate about what you do, but you don't have the requisite knowledge, understanding, and perspective in in some cases uh, to really deal with that situation. And so, I would tell 20 year old Parker, okay, calm down, talk to your NCOs, you know, find find that trusted agent, find a senior mentor, or someone that you've got that you can bounce things off of. Uh, before you kind of fly off the handle and do things alone so awesome some great advice uh, some great books great discussion on mdmp yeah uh, joe thanks for for coming on with us we appreciate no, my pleasure brother yeah no it's, it's look i appreciate what you guys are doing i've listened to your you know the, the ones you guys have got out so far um like we talked earlier i love this as a medium to help kind of bridge the gap between brick and mortar stuff uh and really get after you know evolving uh, and emerging doctrine uh, concepts. Uh, and, and again, you know, we go to PME every, you know, three to seven years, you know, whatever it is. Um, you know, I, I think this is a great opportunity to, to kind of get, you know, to, to, to use this as professional development, integrate it in your leader development program, um, use it for mentorship and guidance for your subordinates, uh, that type of stuff. So uh, kudos to you guys for getting this going. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys keep doing. So keep it up, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks again. And thanks yeah. as always for listening. Join us next week on Speak Up.